Well, good morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Everybody's hacking and coughing this morning. I know how you feel. There's a lot of sickness going on. We pray that you get well soon. When I was a teenager, there was a Canadian singer who was very popular by the name of Ann Murray. And she had a song that the chorus went, nobody robbed a liquor store on the lower part of town. Nobody OD'd, nobody burned a single building down. Nobody fired a shot in anger. Nobody had to die in vain. We sure could use a little good news today. I've <clears throat> been playing that song a lot this week and been thinking about good news. You see, good news is an interesting term for what is good for some may not be good for others. We often think that even the world we live in today, even that song is applicable due to the fact of all that we see with all the murders, the robbings, uh, the, the things that are going on in the world, polit politics, the countries turning against each other. But the interesting thing about these facts that are being mentioned and all these troubles are just the symptoms of a larger issue called sin. You see, I believe there is good news, and this Gentile writer by the name of Luke the physician will tell us about good news. You see, I often think that when I hear good news, I again, it depends on the recipient. If you remember the Geico commercial, he would always build something up and say, I got some good news, I saved a bunch of money by switching to Geico. And we laugh and we see these things, but understand, good news is good to some, but not good to others. But I can tell you that what Luke the Gentile wrote, Luke the physician, is good news for all people. If you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and I want to take you on a historical and biblical journey about the good news that we all celebrate. If you, if you could, please stand with me as we read the Word of God. <clears throat> now Luke would record this. Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone was on the way to register for the census, each in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David, in order to register along with, his, with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And amen, you may be seated. Luke was a physician who wrote most of the New Testament. Now I know some of you are thinking today, no, Paul did. No, Paul didn't. 
Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament. Luke wrote most of the New Testament. And what he would record here is a very detailed history and also a beautiful opportunity for us to see what good news really is. Now let me tell you what's going on. You see, what he will open up with is now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This is why I tell you the Bible is so beautiful and so, such an awesome word to read because I do not think that a lot of times we read this scripture and understand the gravity of what we're reading. You know, of course we've heard this regurgitated through the Peanuts cartoon. And we hear this. But I want to walk through you with this scripture, and I want you to see the gravity of what we're dealing with. You see, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Who is Caesar Augustus? Well, funny you might ask. You see, Caesar Augustus, that's really a title. His name was Gaius Octavius. He was the nephew of a man you probably know by the name of Julius Caesar. You see, Julius Caesar had a sister named Julia. And Julia had Octavius. And since he was not Julius Caesar's son, and Julius Caesar, might I add, is the man who went and said, Wainy, weedy, weesey, I came, I saw, I conquered. He was a dictator who took over after Pompey, who would really rule with an iron fist, if you will. But he adopted Octavius into his home, and, and, and really, he became his son and became the heir of all things. Now, Julius Caesar, according to history, and I'm sure you've all remember this, would be murdered, where he would utter the line, et tu, Brute, and you too, Brutus. He was, brut he was brutally murdered by Brutus and some conspirators in the Roman Senate. Now, what happens after he is murdered is, is, um, is Octavius Caesar, at this point, would team up with a man named Mark Antony in Lepidus, and they would go after the conspirators of Julius Caesar. And they would actually destroy them at the Battle of Actium. Okay? Now this is where it gets good. Now they decided to, to really divide up the Roman kingdom in three parts, and they would have three rulers. Lepidus, Mark Antony, and Octavian. But what would happen is Lepidus and Mark Antony, and Octavian, who desired for things to go their way, began to fight amongst themselves. Lepidus would be exiled in 35 BC. Mark Antony, who was actually married to Augustus or Octavian Caesar's wife, would have an affair with a lady you know by the name of Cleopatra. And Cleopatra and Mark Antony and the Egyptian army would form and fight against Octavian, and he would put them down easily. So he became sole emperor of Rome. Isn't that cool? You know, there's history in the Word of God if we would just read it. So a decree goes out to the inhabited earth. Let me clear that up for you. The Roman earth, their conquered territory. A decree went out that a census be, be taken. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Now, Quirinius was given the object of really kind of controlling Palestine. You see, what would happen is when Roman emperors or Roman, Romans would conquer a territory, they would put certain people as vassals in their area, and they would rule, but still under the subjectivity of Rome. 
So they had power. A lot of the people that was in their areas did not like them, but they were people that were used by Rome for their very purpose of controlling the earth. So Cornelius is the governor of Syria, and everyone, according to verse 3, was on his way to register for a census, each in his own city. Let me explain something to you very clearly. You did what Rome told you to do. Now this is very important to this text. If Rome said you go register, you go register. There was no choice, there was no ifs, ands, or buts, and you had to go. Now the Bible says that everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now listen, this is where it gets beautiful, people. This is where I want to put this together for you. Now Rome might be in charge, but God's in control. Now how do you say that, Chad? Now listen, this is awesome. You say, Chad, you get excited. Yes, I do. Because if you're a born-again believer and you understand the meaning of Christmas, you should get excited too. You see, they are go to their own city because he is of the lineage of David. He had to register in Bethlehem. But to, for him to go to his own city, what Caesar nor Quirinius or any other Roman official knew was this is a fulfilling of Scripture. In Micah chapter 5, where the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Rome might be in charge, but God's still in control. It says everyone went his own way to register for the census, each in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Think about this. When he said, when he went up, he was absolutely correct. Because if you think about it from a perspective of sea level, now listen, this is great. Where he came from was 1,830 feet to where he was going was 2,564 feet. So it was a treacherous, treacherous travel. But he had to go. And it was very interesting to me. Now I'm going to put all this together for you. But Bethlehem is, means the house of bread. Now think about this. So he's traveling to Bethlehem to register with his wife, for she was with child, because he was from the house and family of David. While they were there, she gives birth. The days were completed that she should give birth, and she gives birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Oh, how many times in our Christmas plays we vilify the inn owner. You ever thought about that? Oh, that old inn owner said no. Well, where does the Bible say that? You see, you must understand that for them to go register in their own city, there's going to be a sack full of people. In the inns as we know it is not like the Hollywood Hilton that we think of today. You see, inns during this time were usually a circular or a lean-to where people could get off the streets and lay their heads down without added fear of being robbed or, or killed. It was a place to lay your head. And in the center of this inn would usually be an area that animals could congregate and they would be fed. And see, what would happen is they go, there's a lot of people, there's no room for them. Which that's quite interesting to me, according to J. Vernon McGee, the only room for Jesus 
was room on the cross. You ever thought about that? But there was no room for him to stay. It's time to give birth. She, she has to lay him in a manger. A manger was a feeding trough used to feed animals. You ever thought about this, people? That the bread of life, according to John chapter 6, was in the city of bread who would give bread to the hungry souls of mankind. And she wrapped her firstborn son. Isn't this beautiful with Scripture? Well, if it was her firstborn son, what does that mean? Mary had other children. Jesus had brothers and sisters? Yes, the Bible says that. But Jesus was the firstborn, conceived of the Holy Spirit, not by depraved man, but by the Spirit of God, which is pure and undefiled. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and laid him in a manger because there was no room. Is there room for Jesus for you? I think that's a question we all should ask. Is there room for Jesus? You see, I want you to think of something. As Jesus was born in this manger, I know a lot of times on the Hallmark movies and our little illustrations, you see this beautifully manicured hay. Well, these shepherds and these wise men standing. Let me tell you what a manger scene looked like in actuality. It stunk. You see, it smelled like manure. Any of you ever worked on a farm? It stunk. There was the blood and water of childbirth. There was a mess. There was noise. There was activities. It was busy. And it stunk. And he was born there. And here's something I want you to clearly and completely understand. J. Vernon McGee also said this. Think about the humbleness of Christ's birth. He gave up his deity, but he didn't give up his glory. He gave up his deity, but he did not give up his glory. Think about this. You see, those that were born in a manger, those that were born in the poorest of conditions, he was humbled. And I cannot help but think to myself, when I read this text, and I've read it so many times, that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, that this wasn't the one-piece onesie that we all see the pictures with a cute little hospital hat. He didn't have bare ears. Chad, you saying things about children? No. But I want you to think about this, please. That the clothes they wrapped him in were streets, strips of linen which were meant to keep the baby immobile. And depending on your social status is what kind of linen you had. Do you understand that this man who was born, who gave up his deity... but didn't give up his glory, was born in the most humble circumstances. And I cannot help but think of the passage. It might seem poor, but the Bible tells me, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Poor is not defined about what you have. Poor is defined by what you are. Some of the richest people I know don't have a dime. But they have Christ. You see, the Bible tells us that he was born in a manger. But look what the Bible says. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terribly frightened. The first group that Christ's birth is announced to are shepherds. The chief shepherd, his birth is being announced to shepherds. Not the ones that are the most grateful or the most popular on the social status. They were known at this time as kind of low because they smelt bad. They were thought to be those that would rogue and steal. But yet the king of all kings is announced to these men who are the lowest standard in social society or one of the lowest. They were poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This will begin to have meaning to you as we go on. You see, what is happening here is there's keep, they're keeping watch over their sheep. They're protecting those sheep. And then the angel of the Lord shows suddenly about them. I don't know about you, but I can be easily startled. But to be in the middle of the night, in the middle of the field, and all of a sudden you see God's angels before you, I can promise this ain't somebody that's going to stand there and go, Wow! They're going to drop to their knees because the glory of the Lord was round about them. Do you understand what that means? The glory of the Lord that only He has surrounded these messengers on the proclamation of His Son. And they were afraid. But the Bible says, the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For I give you good news of great joy. We talked about this this morning in the catechism class. You see, there's a distinct dis difference between joy and happiness. Happiness, again, is, depends on the recipient. I can be happy that Clemson would win and they didn't, so I could be sad because they lost. It's a relative term. I mean, look. Different things makes us happy. Sickness does not make us happy, but we can be found joyful in it. Listen. In this situation where Rome's in control and everything is not as up to par as we think it should... There is joy, good news of great joy. Why? Because true joy is found in Christ. Other things might make you temporarily happy, but if you are Christ, you can have joy in all circumstances. Why? Because the same Christ that saves you is the same Christ that will sustain you. 
And there is joy found in Christ. But I bring you good news. Uangelin. Good news. Now think about this for a few moments. We call the gospel what? Good news. Now in the term here, it's general good news. Uangelin. But the word here used is good news of Christ's coming is manifested into the good news that Christ will die for your souls. That's the gospel. He is not presenting the gospel, but he is telling the good news that the gospel has come. Amen? You see? You break down this story and you see the good news of Christ. But I want you to think about this for a few moments. The Bible says, Good news of great joy which will be to all people. I have been continuously hammering this fact. That yes, there was benefit to being a Jew. Absolutely, as Paul would say. But Christ died for all people. He was born for all people. That everyone may have reconciliation to God the Father because of His Son, Jesus Christ. I think of Christmas songs this time of year. One of my favorite. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth. I'm sorry. To the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. The glory of God shone round about these angels. To tell the shepherds there is good news which shall be to all people. Because the good news that they were looking for was a true king. Not a king that will overthrow the government, but a king who will ransom the souls. It says, for today in the city of David there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. A savior which is born. Good news. But if you'd allow me to take a few moments that good news is not always good news to everybody. You see, the good news is this. We who are apart from Christ, apart from God, can be reconciled by the price paid on Calvary. It is good news that was announced because there was good news coming through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not everybody likes that good news. See, the shepherds who understood and wanted to go worship this king were not worshiping some man-made authority, but wanted to worship the king of kings and the lord of lords. But still, there are men that want to be king of kings. I cannot help but... Turn to another passage if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Matthew for a few moments. Book of Matthew for a few moments. And I want to begin in chapter 2. Now, I didn't have them put it on screen, but this has been laid heavy on my heart. I want you to think about this. You see, the Bible in Matthew, Matthew who was one of the original apostles, would write about the deity of Christ, 
would tell you in Matthew chapter 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now I want you to think about this. <clears throat> First and foremost, we see a lot of the Christmas stories, you see the wise men were the shepherds. They were not there. Okay? Now we can't for time's sake in the, in the, uh, in the plays, you know, I guess divide it up. You always see the shepherds and you see the wise men together. But according to Scripture, now read with me. They go to Herod and say, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod heard of this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. You see, I want you to think about this. They saw his star and they came and they go to Herod. Well, who is Herod? He's a madman. You see, he would start what's called the Herodian dynasty. You see, his comes from his father, Antipas, which is a very interesting situation. He was a vassal again for the Roman government. And here Herod is now who takes control. Herod likes being king. Now listen to me. He likes being in control. Does that sound familiar? Herod wants to be king. You see, when these wise men come to worship the king of kings, Herod is troubled because somebody's going to take his spot. And it said he and all of Jerusalem were troubled with him. Why? I like being king. Another question of the Christmas story. Who's your king? Is Christ the king of kings or you like being king of your own throne? But let me tell you a little story. You see, gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will be a shepherd, my people in Israel. Listen, quoting Micah 5. And this is what's interesting to me. This king who wanted to be his own king sought scripture to find out where the king of kings is coming from. Scripture. People have asked me, what is the Old Testament? How is it relevant? Let me tell you how it's relevant. It points to Jesus. It points to Christ. He sought Scripture. Who is this man? And who's going to take my spot? Is there room for Christ for you? Because you can ask yourself this on Christmas. Is it about the toys? Is it about what I might get? Is it about I'll worry about that credit card statement later when it comes in January? Is it about the debt that I will acquire? See, that's what kings of their own kingdom want. Things that benefit them for their glory. You see where I'm going with this? It's Herod. He wants to be on the throne. We look at Herod as the wicked man in the story, but all of us have a little bit of Herod in him before Christ. Listen to me. 
because we want to remain on the throne. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent him to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the child. When you have found him, report to me so I may come and worship him too. Yeah, right. Well, Chad, that's a mean thing to say. Maybe he did. Let me tell you something about the Bible. Read further. Read further. You see, the Bible says, After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, when they had seen it in the east, went on before them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. You see that? That's the difference. Difference. You see, the shepherds and the wise men saw joy. Herod was concerned with his own happiness. You see the difference? You see the difference? One's temporary. One's eternal. But look, after coming into the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. After coming to the house, let's say that together. After coming to the house, Jesus lived there. They were not at the manger, they were at his home. And they worshipped him. They did not worship Herod. Do you realize what wise men are? People say there are three wise men. The Bible never says that. There were three gifts. Ain't scripture cool. But they worshiped him. You see, wise men are soothsayers. We talked about this last week. They're fortune tellers. They're Gentiles from far off. But they ventured because the Holy Spirit did a work in their heart. And they sought the real king to worship. And the Bible says they fell down and worshipped him. You see, the difference is, Christ is worthy of worship. Herod was not. There are none of us worthy of worship. For we are depraved, created people that have fallen because of our own iniquity. But yet Christ is worthy to be worshipped and praised because he is the savior of the soul. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. As we look at all the gifts we'll get this year, there is no gift greater than Christ. After coming to the house, they saw the child, they worshipped him. Then opening up their treasures, presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yes, I'd love to get into that. I don't have time this morning. Prophet, priest, and king, let me tell you something. He is worthy to be praised. And having been warned of God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child, his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So they took flight into Egypt, and they remained there. And let me tell you the rest of the story. You see, this Herod that said he wanted to worship Christ too, would kill all the male children around two years old. This was prophesied to because he wanted to be king. What is it that we put ahead of Christ that we would want to be king?
Are we doing anything in our own lives that we would do whatever it took to keep ourselves on the throne instead of Christ? You see, the good news it was all people, listen to me, is good news to those willing to receive it. Do you hear me? There is good news. The good news is this, my brothers and sisters, listen to me. That he who knew no sin became sin. And the good news is this. That he who knew no sin became sin because the wrath that was due for me and you, Christ took himself. Jesus Christ had to be born to die. And lay down his life as a ransom for the many. I look at it just like J. Vernon McGee said. He didn't have to come. But he did. He was fully man. And yet, he took every aspect of man's being, even in the wrath of God, for you. But he was fully God, and though he was resurrected from the dead three days later, in 40 days he would ascend into heaven at the right-hand side of the Father, where he makes intercession for me and you. Now that's something to celebrate, people. There is good news. There's good news found at the feet of Jesus. I want to share with you in closing this. That a lot of times, and we'll read a lot of stories and tell a lot of things. And as you know, as well as I know, that some of you are sitting here, Christmas is a little bit lonelier this year. As we begin to grow older, we'll see that things are not like they used to be. My wife and I were talking about how much we miss our boys and my grandkids. You see, I'm not going to see them for Christmas. And I think about the things that we got them when they were a kid, the things we used to do. But the one thing that I praise God for that we stressed upon our youngins is things of this earth will be destroyed, but Christ is forever. It's happy birthday, Jesus, my little boys. And the same message we put to our kids, happy birthday, Jesus. You see, life is going to treat every one of us differently, but death's going to treat us all the same. And I can assure you that the bodies that Woods Mortuary hold will one day hold yours. That's a mathematical fact. But Jesus died... And the good news that is shared is this life don't have to be the end, people. Listen, it's not the end. For the Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Christ, is, Christ died for the ungodly, that you may be reconciled. That's good news. And I'm going to tell you something. I might not be able to buy my children all he wants for Christmas, or my children. I might not be able to afford that Nintendo Switch or that car or whatever it may be. Listen to me. I might not be able to give certain things. But I can tell my children of the gift that is imperishable and never paid away, who is in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we... Thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the good news. Wangalan, 
the good news. The good news that Christ is born, and because of his birth, there are good news in the gospel. Lord, thank you so much for saving our soul. Lord, we thank you for all you do, you continue to do. Lord, we love you and we praise you. May, us, may we continually be reminded of the birth and the gift that keeps on giving. And Lord, may we be reminded of the death. Lord, next week as we'll be celebrating Christmas, yes, Lord, you know we'll be here, you willing. If you don't come back or you tarry, God, and we're still here, we'll be here. And Lord, we're going to celebrate your birth. Lord, we're going to celebrate you with a candlelight service. We're going to celebrate you with the Lord's Supper. Because if they wouldn't have been a birth, they would not have been a death. And God, if they wouldn't have been either one, we'd have no hope. <clears throat> but Lord, we celebrate the hope that is found in you. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. stand and sing with us.